Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ and also 105.1 FM. Streaming at KLIZ.com. Also find us at lakeswoodsandirons.com. And uh, wherever you find your podcasts, you can find us also under Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Have Chris Foley with me. Chris, coming off a dynamic week, the U.S. Open, of course, and uh, pretty thrilling golf over four days. Stayed pretty close and looked like the boys were going to run away and burn the place up, but uh, uh, course came back to defend itself pretty well. Yeah, you know, it was, it was interesting. Uh, Ricky Fowler shoots 62 on Friday, on Thursday. Yeah. And, you know, I, I heard, heard, you know, you hear all kinds of people saying, oh, this is not going to be the U.S. Open, you know, 20 under is going to win or whatever. And, um, you know, I, I had, I, I felt that, you know, it was going to be right around the winning score would be, pretty close to what uh, Ricky Fowler shot as far as being, you know, 8, 10, 12 under. And, and <laughs> William Clark ended up uh, 10 under for the week. It, the, the golf course, kind of like they planned, just got harder and harder as the week went on. And yeah, um, it, it was, it was certainly, a, it was an interesting open cha- or U.S. Open championship. Uh, uh, you know, su- I, I thought Sunday was very exciting, you know, as I read accounts of it. Uh, a lot of people are really disappointed in it and disappointed in the golf course, but I, I think it's whatever your perspective is. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting U.S. Open. Um, I, I would say the only disappointing thing to me was the, the lack of fans there really kind of changed the atmosphere. Yeah, it kind of did, yeah. It did have the best TV ratings since 2019, I think, for the PGA, so... That's uh, that's Fowler and McElroy up at the top, and Scheffler. Absolutely. And then we got the Wyndham taken out of our sails with Wyndham Clark. Right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Boy, I, I, you got to hand it to him. He played some incredibly solid golf and just did not, you know, did not flinch down the stretch. It was, uh, um, you know, the, there were several opportunities where he. You know, hit clutch shots that uh, you know the the one in the tournament, and and you know R- Rory McIlroy is his closest you know competitor. He, Rory could just not make a putt. Right, all day. Um, no, I, I I think he made one one birdie for the you know uh, the final round. So um, once again, Rory McIlroy right in contention and. Doesn't get the good job done. I, I, you, I, you just got to believe that uh, he's got a lot more majors in him, and uh, he's just, you know, got to win one to get to, to get over the hump. And uh, it was interesting to see how he conducted business this week. It was much more, you know, much more tiger-like. He, he, he gave his interviews, but he didn't, uh, uh, you know, he didn't go overboard like he he, he normally does. He's normally so generous with his time. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. His focus was was definitely a lot different. Another guy always right there is Scheffler, and sure enough, he's within three at the end. And uh, he yeah. didn't he didn't make any putts either. Of course, nobody was really making putts on Sunday. No, I you know I I, I think those greens are they're they got so baked out, and uh, they they've got you know, a significant amount of slope to them, and you just had to be so careful uh, on the greens that nobody could be very aggressive and. 
Uh, yeah, that's that's been Scheffler the last over the last two months. He has played incredible golf, but uh, just has not putted well. So, um, you know, couldn't get the job done. But gosh, another top five finish for Scotty Scheffler. Pretty, pretty amazing the the uh, the stretch of golf he's on. And Clark, man, he was. Uh... They always talk about the old adage of lag putting, and man, Clark lag putted all day long. Had so many he, tap ins put- for pars. Yeah, he putted fantastic. I mean, talk about no anxiety second putts. Uh, he had it right around the hole all day. Yeah, yeah, he sure did. And uh, I was, we were saying just before we went on uh, how much you love the classic courses. Now the women are at Baltistral this week, which is. One of the magical names in golf, another traditional old course, right? Yeah, another uh, another great uh, you know golden era design, uh, right outside of New York City, and uh, it, it'll be a great test this week for the ladies. The ladies, uh, K, KPM PGA, so it's yeah, going to be a lot of fun. Another major, you bet. All right, we've got a good guest coming up, Chris. You want to talk about him for a sec? Yeah, we've got uh, uh, Cordy Walker's going to come on and uh, talk about practice. Uh, and uh, Cordy's got a, a very interesting background, really, originally from Rochester, Minnesota. So look forward to talking to him. All right. We'll get uh, our interview with Cordy Walker coming up right after this. On You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley on 1380 KLIZ, also 105.1 FM. Streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com. Also find us wherever you find your podcasts at Lakes, Woods, and Irons. This segment brought to you in part by Whitefish Golf Course in Pequot Lakes, an experience that never disappoints, one of the area's premier 18-hole championship courses. And also by Ernie's on Gull, an experience in dining on the shores of Gull Lake, opened year-round at 11 with deck and patio seating. Chris, special guest with us. I'll let you handle the introductions. Yeah, I want to welcome to the show Cordy Walker. Cordy is a uh, longtime friend of mine. He's a native of uh, Rochester, Minnesota, and has uh, uh, has really developed kind of a niche in the golf business. He's he's been involved in golf in some form or another for gosh, probably twenty years now. So, Cordy, w- welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Chris. Appreciate it. Absolutely. I, uh, I, I wanted to have you on the show, Cordy. We, uh, we talk a lot about practice on the show. And, uh, you know, one of the things I always I talk about on the show and I talk about to my students is I always say, are you exercising or are you practicing? And <laughs> mo- most, pe- most people exercise, they don't practice. And, uh, you know, you, you, uh, you put out a great newsletter weekly called The Dispatch. Uh, it's part of your, your, you have what's called golfsciencelab.com. And uh, in the dispatch, you talk a lot about practice. But uh, before we get started on that, let, just give everybody a little bit about your background and uh, uh, kind of what, what you do in, uh, in and around golf. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I, I run a site called Golf Science Lab. Um, I believe that was probably around 2015 and before that. Um, been working with golf instructors in some capacity for for a long time. I just I love I love coaching, um, love trying to figure out how to people can perform better 
what are some of the what are some of the clues? What are some of the secrets out there that we can figure out by looking at elite level players? And then, kind of the strange angle of looking at looking at research, right? What what's going on in the academic world that we could make practical that we could uh, pull out for people? So that's what we do at Golf Science Lab. And yeah, we have a weekly newsletter um, that just goes out free to folks, and always some interesting insights there. But uh, some of the some of the latest interesting stuff. Um, in the research that we run down um, is there's a study that was kind of a, a roundup of research and they presented a framework called PAR, P-A-R. Um, and the, it stands for planning, action, and review. And one of the, the premises is that we all spend a lot of time on the action of golf and we, we can practice that. Like you said, we can exercise and we can move, um, but uh, a part that's often forgotten in, in training is that planning and review, which we do constantly on the golf course, right? We have to have all these things come in and figure out what club to hit and how to hit it and interpret a lie and the wind and the list is long, right? Um, yeah. And then we review our golf course as well of like, hey, I, you know, this happened. I sliced this one. Okay, the next one, I'm going to try this. And we're doing it on the golf course. But we don't, we don't a lot of times do that in practice. So there, there's an interesting framework to kick us off, Chris. Yeah, I th- well, I think that's great. And, you know, it's, it, it's so hard, I think, for people to take their, their range game to, to the golf course. And uh, let, let's talk about, you talk about what your research shows you know, why, why is that, that, that we can't do on the golf course what we do on the, on the range? Yeah, so a lot of us just don't um, practice well enough to, to translate. So um, a, a few things that are maybe counterintuitive to folks is that when you practice, that errors and mistakes are actually where the learning happens. Um, that's kind of difficult to understand for most of us because we like to hit it perfect every time when we stand on the range. <laughs> um, so that's just one, yeah. Um, another, another kind of thing that I, that I see time and time again is, is talking with a lot of mental coaches is that um, it's kind of the, the curse of the second ball golfer, right, is that we know that if you throw a second ball down, you probably can hit it pretty well. But <laughs> that first ball seems like time and time again, we, we hook it out of bounds. So what's the difference is there's a lot of, of tension and a lot of expectations on that first golf ball compared to the, compared to the second ball golfer. So, um, yeah, th- those, that's what pops to mind right away. Yeah. And you know, the, the, when you talk about the, all the learning happens when we're making mistakes. I, you know, there's been so much research on that. And um, it, it really, even though people don't want to fail, they, they go to the range to get success. But, you know, some of the best lessons that I've given are when, you know, when a person really struggles in that lesson is when we get, when we make the most progress. So, it's it's very interesting, and, and pe- but the problem is people really don't like to put themselves in that situation, do they? No, no, um, and, and and maybe to layer on top of that mistakes is that another thing you need to understand is the idea of, of challenge point, the idea that difficulty is desirable up until a point, 
So yes, each golfer has a unique challenge point of like, hey, I'm, I'm a beginner. I'm just trying to make contact. It's much different than a single handicap trying to improve. And the difficulty of practice adjusts for those people. They, you know, it's kind of obvious when you look at it at that point, but like, yeah, a beginner golfer shouldn't practice the same way as an advanced golfer. That's kind of like, duh. But that, that kind of narrows in based on your skill level and whatnot and where you're at individually. Well, a, a new golfer, really, they, they're in the, the skill acquisition mode. Um, they, they really just need to gain, you know, the ability to hit, con, you know, reasonably consistent shots and hit it in the, in the center of the club face. Whereas, you know, if you, if you look at the elite player, their, their practice session is going to look much differently because they're more in a, they're more in a transfer mode of taking it to the golf course. Absolutely. Absolutely. What does that look like for your players, Chris? What, what is, how would you coach those two players? Like when the beginner comes to you and they're just trying to, you know, strike it more solidly versus let's say uh, an advanced golfer who's also struggling, maybe they're going through a, a difficult time to strike it more solidly. Like how, how do you scale your coaching based on the, the skill level of the, of the individual? You know, the, 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 the newer player we're really looking at, we're really just trying to develop the skill. And we really don't talk a lot about in any practice other than focus practice on, you know, whatever, whatever they need in their golf swing, whether it's, it's a setup, um, you know, a setup improvement or, you know, probably the biggest thing you work on with a beginning player is getting them to strike the, the ball in the ground in the right place and getting them to bottom out the club correctly and, and, you know, having the correct concept that to make a ball go up in the air, we've got to hit it on the downward side of the swing, not the upward side of the swing. With, with advanced player, a lot of times they need, they definitely need a, you know, a a mechanical tweak, but we're going to do a lot more of finding out how they're practicing, what they're, you know, kind of really what's what's having the biggest impact on their game and then you know that that's a good question for you Cordy is that how do how how do you suggest players assess their game because I don't think a lot of people really have a true understanding what's affecting their scores yeah yeah um, well well for me a lot of it's uh, you know looking at strokes gain data is, is typically a great place to start having some kind of tracking um, and then for me personally, getting all that information and then pretty much ignoring it and just practicing what I want to practice. That's my go-to, uh, <laughs> my go-to method of uh, I should practice putting, so I go try to hit my driver farther. Uh, that's how You're I right. personally tack- tackle the situation. <laughs> what, what about you? Is that, is that where you start most, most folks? Is some kind of, if strokes gained is, tape, is able, like start there, or if not, do some kind of maybe testing on the range, a big fan of that as well. Yeah, I, you know, it's very difficult to get people to keep any true stats or use. I, I look, for years I use shot by shot. Uh, I'm currently using a, a product called Clipped, which is, I think it's the most advanced analysis tool there is, as well as a, a tool to be able to kind of track everything you're doing in your game and your life. but. 
um, you know, short of it's difficult to have to get people to have enough discipline to do utilize those type of tools. So short of that, I think you have to do some testing, like you're saying, on the range, and you know, kind of find out what the, what their strengths and weaknesses are. And uh, the easiest way to get somebody to improve is go after the low hanging fruit. You are listening to our conversation with Cordy Walker and Chris Foley, talking about uh, teaching the game of golf. We'll get back to that segment right after this on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan, streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com. Also find us on podcast. Uh, just search Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Wherever you look for your podcasts, you'll find us. This segment brought your way in part by SCR Northern, the ones with Old Man Winter on the trucks, and by Craigan's Legacy Courses, home to the 2023 CRMC Classic, and the new Tom Lehman 18. Now back to our conversation with Cordy Walker. Is there yeah, a, is there a sure. tri- tried and true true way, guys, to say the little bit better golfer, and you want to increase his difficulty? It seems like he might uh, pull against that a little bit, but uh, uh, you want him working on the range. I mean, you always want to get better, hopefully, uh, from the golfer standpoint. But uh, how difficult can you make it for the golfer who's maybe a little better? Corey, I'll, I'll let you answer that one. You, you, yeah, yeah. So. It's a great question. So, so Challenge Point and some of the research suggests that if you have a game or, or a task in front of you, you want that to be that you can accomplish it about seven out of ten times. Okay. So that says that like what we're doing is, is hard, but also we can accomplish it. And the problem is that if it gets too hard or too easy, then we all just kind of check out. And that, that's kind of one of the fundamentals of like, you know, if, if we're not actually like, present and thinking about what we're doing, then that practice probably isn't going to be very effective to begin with. So yeah, it, 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 it's kind of developing, what, what is this game? So let's say that if you're working on your, your driver um, and really basic, so let's say you're trying to hit it in a, in a fair way out, um, you know, out on the range, you kind of say, all right, between that flag and that flag, and um, you, you create a, a 40 yard fairway. Can you accomplish that seven out of 10 times with the driver? Well, no, you can't. Okay. Well, then let's uh, look. Can we accomplish that seven out of ten times with a with a four iron? Can we do that? And and maybe there's some kind of you know different games and things that you can uh, develop if you want to improve your um, shots off the tee uh, kind of concept. But but that's a way to how to think about structuring practice that will transfer to the golf course. Yeah, makes sense. Korean, how uh, if you were creating a practice plan for, let's say a, a ten handicap who wants to get to five or six, what uh, what would that practice plan look like? It's a great question. Well, I, I think for a lot of folks, it's it's kind of a, a dramatic shift because most people just think about practices, um, balls on the range, and technique changes, and. You know, my guess for a lot of 10 handicaps is that we don't have a lot of time to make swing changes. That we don't have a lot, you know, we don't have a lot of time to practice to begin with. Like maybe that practice isn't even an option, right? It's just hitting a bucket, you right. know, some balls with tee yeah. off. Um, and, and so for those people, it's a lot about, um, you know, what kind of skills can we work on? What kind of skill games could we get them playing around the green? Um, is it as simple as like, Hey, can you just play nine holes of up and down around the green? 
and get nine more reps of hitting a chip and a putt than you normally would during the week, that'll probably have a, a big benefit for a lot of people, right? Just because they don't get any a representative kind of practice like that. So would much rather see um, people having a game, having a task in front of them and doing that versus just grabbing a bucket of balls and hitting a bunch of shots or grabbing a bucket of balls and hitting a bunch of chips, um, but have something which is purposeful in front of you and makes you kind of mentally check in of like, all right, can I, can I accomplish this game? You know, like what is my lowest score if I'm going to try to get up and down nine times? Like what is my lowest score I can get today? And then coming back next week and say, Hey, can I, can I do any better than that? Can I, can I get a, a lower score than that? So I think it's restructuring the general mindset away from number of balls to quality of time spent. Yeah. I, th- I you know, I think a lot of people, they, they go to the range and it's uh you, you can get a false sense of accomplishment when you're practicing because if you, let's say you're hit, you're hitting you know seven irons for instance and you've got 30 balls in front of you and you're you're hitting to hopefully have some type of target in mind but you know you're hitting every shot reasonably solid and it's not that you're you're swinging that much better it's that you're you're in a sense of rhythm and timing where you're timing it up and the problem with the, on the golf course, it's a one-shot environment, and we don't have the opportunity to have multiple shots, at, you know, without having a target in mind. And there are consequences to to the shot that we hit. So it's harder to find that timing on the golf course. But uh, yeah. So so how do we do? How do we create you know training and practice that stimulates that? Because anytime we can add in pressure. Anytime we can add in some kind of consequence, that's only going to help you have, you know, be more prepared and feel more confident when you do have that when you're out on the course. I always think, you know, if you, if you have limited practice time, it's, it's great to, rather than being on the range, you know, let's say you could go out at night when the golf course is busy and, and play, you know, multiple balls or shots on the, on, on the golf course. Do you have any good games for that court? Absolutely, yeah. This one is a bit of a bit of a commitment, but my favorite game is starting from no matter your skill level. Can you tee off from 200 yards out, um, or maybe it's the front tees, and play stretches of nine holes over the summer and see if you can work your way back after shooting par at each level. Um, I, I found that so useful because you you find out pretty quickly that. Even if I place my drive in the perfect place on every hole, uh, I still can't shoot what I want to shoot because my approach play stinks. My, you know, and I have no short game, and I miss a bunch of short putts, um, and kind of revealing some of that. So that's kind of a long-term project. I love to to see people on, and um, it's a great way to get junior started as well. There's something called Operation Thirty Six. Um, they have an awesome yeah. kind of framework for going about that. Um, but that that's one that I've done. And, really learned a lot from about my game I'm kind of changing up our, our tee box for, for one yeah, um, yeah, another good one. one depending on skill level is just uh, if you if you can play two balls hit, hit one a fade as a fade one as a draw maybe this is for a single digit handicapper um, someone a little bit more advanced but hit, hit two balls and keep track of score for each one do you notice any trends does one do better than the other and, and you can kind of fluctuate that the same um, you can create all kinds of stuff of what if 
what if I have to hit driver on every hole? Or what if I only hit four iron off every tee box? And I, I think exploring different different games on the course is awesome to develop some awareness of where to practice and um, maybe some new realizations of how you should approach your strategy. Yeah, those are those are great. Well, Cordy, how how do people learn more about uh, what you're doing and get on your newsletter and all those things? Yeah, so just head over to golfsciencelab.com. There's a little uh, kind of sign-up box right on the, the homepage there. Punch in your email address, and every week we'll send you um, kind of our, our newsletter where we run down interesting research and make it really practical. We have field experiments, which are ideas of, of games or things you can go do out on the course. We have some um, data that we'll dial in so you can kind of understand interesting stats and rounding up some different content as well. But yeah, it'd be awesome. We'd love to share more with folks over there. Yeah, you're putting some great content out there and appreciate what you do. So, well, Cordia, we really appreciate you coming on and sharing your knowledge and uh, uh, we'll look forward to having you on the show again soon. Chris, thank you for having me. I appreciate it and looking forward to coming up and seeing you sometime soon. Yeah, please do. Thanks, Cordy. That is uh, Cordy Walker. Again, that website, golfsciencelab.com. Pretty easy one for you. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on The Fan. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, The Fan, and 105.1 FM. Also streaming at KLIZ.com and lakeswoodsandirons.com. And if you find us, look for us on podcast, you'll find us at Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Brought to you in part by Holiday Stores in Cross Lake and Mill Avenue and now Excelsior Road. And also by the T-Hive. The T-Hive custom apparel for your business, event, team, or facility, or family. Online at T-Hive.com. Chris Foley with me. Uh, Chris, the boys are the travelers this week is another elevated event. So we'll have a good field at the PGA the week after the U.S. Open. On the other side of the country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a great field. They, uh, you know, long uh, flight. Although when most of them are flying private or a charter, it's not too bad right. to get uh, from one coast to the other. But uh, another uh, another great week with uh, the Travelers is always a great event. It's on a great uh, great golf course, but a uh, uh, designated event this year, and um, so we should have a, a great field. A lot of you know, guess a lot of players trending in the right direction. Elevated additional points and additional money, I guess, huh? Yes, yes, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> I played uh, last night. We might have to have another rules segment. I played with uh, Judge Halverson last night. I was reminding him he came on the show with us a few years ago. We did a rules segment. He's one of those yeah. guys, though, it's good to play with those guys that know backwards and forwards, you know, where can I drop, what should I do, that kind of thing. He always knows. And, uh, is real good about my playing partner was in the weeds a lot. So <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't in too often. I was really good off the tee last night, actually. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that, uh, yeah, I just got done with a junior golf, uh, uh, clinic and, uh, we were talking about the rules of golf and, uh, you know, they're, they're really about, six, seven rules that you really have to have a good understanding with um, yeah. if you're going to play the game. And, yep. um, and we might have, we might have to have a segment on that coming up here, Mac. Right. Yeah. 
Um, a lot of it's playing like, well, at uh, at Legacy anyway, it's kind of playing like water, where you just in and out, uh, get your get your line of sight and and take it out and drop it. So, yeah, most most of the courses in this area play uh, play the woods as uh, uh, lateral hazards or what they call penalty areas now in the rules of golf and right um, keeps the pace of play moving. Not necessarily the the true way to play play the by the rules, but uh, in our case, in something like men's league or whatever, it uh, it uh, makes it easier for everybody. You're not searching for as many balls and right. keeps that pace moving. Don't want to have to go back to the tee and hit another one. <laughs> exactly. That can take a little time. With uh, what's the what's the common uh, thing you see in uh, older golfers that you teach, Chris? I'm in my 60s now, and uh, certainly my game isn't the same as it was, uh, say, 10, 15 years ago lost a little distance but it's probably more in my uh more in my irons really i can still get it off the tee pretty well you know i, I think in in most cases mac I, as a generalization is is you know you, you get late 50s 60s 70s you if you if you don't stay proactive with it you lose some flexibility yeah uh, you lose some you lose some balance and um and when, when that happens, your golf swing's going to change. And, uh, you know, the, the great thing is both balance and flexibility you, you have control of, and you can, you can train balance, and, uh, and you can maintain flexibility. And as long as you don't have any major health issues or, or uh, you know, injuries, all, all those things are, are correctable and trainable. And kind of like what, what we talk about, you know, Golf fitness is not only good for your golf game, but it's good for your whole lifestyle. What are your good uh, balancing hacks, Chris, for for a hacker like me? <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you a great one. is simply uh, when you put your socks on in the morning, stand up and balance on each foot and put your socks on that way. And uh, that that's a great way to, you know, one to just maintain balance every day and it sure. kind of it, it starts your day off you know waking up your proprioceptors <laughs> and uh the, the 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 other couple things i really like are and we we do this with our junior golfers every session is is when they're warming up we we have them hit uh you know five to ten shots with their feet right next to each other and then five to ten on their left foot only and then five to ten on their right foot only, and you know make make those golf swings only as hard as you can while maintaining balance, and uh, that that's a great way to do it. And then you know as as you're let's say you're just standing, uh, getting ready for for golf, stand stand on one foot, close your eyes, and try to stand stable as long as you can, and then then switch to the other foot. Okay, but those those are some great ways to do it that don't take much time. You don't need any special equipment to do it, and you, you can really do it anywhere. Um, so I, you know, I really like those. And then there are a lot of you know, if you are working out, um, you know, I I really like doing a lot of things on on like a med ball, where you know either you know just simply balancing on the on the med ball. You know, when when you, when you go to uh, when I get down to Sea Island and see my son Joe, and they've got you know one of the best 
fitness guy, golf fitness guys in the country, Randy Meyer, who we've had on the show, you'll see a lot of those, those tour players. They'll they'll be balancing on their knees on the med ball, and then maybe you know doing like curls, um, doing things like that, and you know that that's that's some high level stuff, but it's stuff that we we can all do if we if we train for it. Curls while balancing on the med ball. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> I, I wouldn't go home and try that tonight, Mac. <laughs> First try stay up to it. First try putting your <laughs> socks on. <laughs> right. I used to be the great John Wooden's advice. He spent the whole first practice when guys would go to UCLA on how to put on your shoes and socks. No yeah, question. He was dead serious about it. <laughs> yeah, you get you 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 you, you got to turn that first pair inside out so you don't have any of the fray in the socks and then you put that second pair on that's, that's how john wouldn't <laughs> yeah probably would have been a pretty good golfer no question all right sir well we'll just wrap up this week uh that's good stuff though i like the balance i, I i'm i'm noticing my balance is not what it was um, well that that you know one one of the things that slows people down man Mac is, you know, when, when you see elderly people walking slow, it's because they, they've lost balance. And one of the reasons our club head speed slows down is that if we lack balance, you know, our brain won't allow us to swing fast because we don't, we don't want to fall over. And so, um, you know, everything you can do to maintain balance throughout your life, it's just going to be, you're going to be better off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's great advice. All right, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Mac. You've been listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ.